not everyone's going to be able to show up at 3 p.m. on a Thursday to go to your webinar. They're just not, you know, people are busy, they're in other meetings or they get called away or whatever. So to not give them the opportunity to consume some of that in smaller forum is crazy. You're listening to the Content 10X Podcast, where it's all about content repurposing. I'm Amy Woods, and I'm here to help you maximize your content and find smart ways to get your message in front of more of the right people, whilst also saving time. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Content 10X podcast. I'm your host, Amy Woods, the founder of Content 10X, and this week we have a fantastic guest interview to share with you. Now, my guest is Jonathan Bland, and Jonathan is the co-founder of OmniLab. OmniLab is a demand gen agency for seed to Series C B2B SaaS companies, and they help their clients build a pipeline they can be proud of. Now, they do this by managing and optimizing paid media across digital channels and distributing content and messaging via paid to grow pipeline and revenue. Now, over the last 14 years, Jonathan has worked for four VC-backed SaaS companies. He's consulted with more than 100. He's helped one get acquired, one reach unicorn status, and he's helped them generate millions in net revenue. He's also seen a handful of those startups go out of business too including his own SaaS business. So he knows many of the mistakes as well as the successes. In this episode of the Content 10X podcast, we talk about how to repurpose a webinar into social media videos and ads. We look at how to run effective ads to dramatically improve the ROI of your webinar, what makes an ad stand out, what type of ads work, what types of ads don't work, and so much more. This is a fantastic conversation and something that we've not really spent an awful lot of time talking about on the Content 10X podcast in terms of bringing together the world of content repurposing and paid social. I'm sure you're going to really enjoy it, so let's jump in. Jonathan, welcome to the Content 10X podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm very much looking forward to this conversation, so thanks for coming on. To get started, in summary, could you just explain what you guys do at OmniLab and, of course, your role in it all as well? Yeah. So one of the co-founders, we're, at the end of the day, a demand agency. We work with B2B SaaS companies specifically, and our primary goal is driving pipeline for them uh, by using paid ads. And that could be Google Ads, Bing, YouTube, Display, LinkedIn, et cetera, on and on. Basically, any paid digital channel. In addition with that, we also work on a lot of the ad creative too. Uh, so whether it's static image ads, whether it's carousels or even repurposing a webinar into clips and things like that, we'll do a little bit of that work for them and then get it out into the channel. But I think the big point for for us is that everything that we're trying to do is making sure that the conversions that we are generating are quality, they meet the ICP, and that there's a strong conversion rate to pipeline. And well, you know, there's not, we don't have complete control over all these elements, we definitely start looking at that data all the time across every single client to make sure that we're ultimately driving the right types of objectives because it's not about just the number of leads, it's about the quality. And I think everyone would agree here that you'd much rather have a 3x conversion rate off of leads coming through than 3x the leads that have you know a much uh, lower conversion rate. So that's, that's generally the goal for us. Yeah, brilliant. Just keen to know what brought about the specialization. So you said B2B SaaS, is there a reason that you've deeply specialized in that particular area? Yeah, I mean, the 
honest truth is I spent about a decade working for B2B SaaS companies, you know, so yeah. I worked for, I mean, I was, I was working for US, US government, for a government reseller selling security software at one point, and then uh, went to in the business intelligence space for a while at another SaaS company. So it was kind of just jumping from a lot of different companies like that. And interestingly, I actually started out in sales. I wasn't actually a marketer uh, from the, the beginning. And I think I, I know quite a few marketers that seem to have this story. Yeah. And so I spent time as an SDR and AE. I was one following up with ebook downloads and all sorts of types of leads and, and all things like that. Uh, but I was never one of those people that really stayed in one role. Uh, so I kind of jumped around a little bit. And, um, you know, I was always going to talk to the product and marketing team about stuff. So at the end of the day, I kind of found my way into, you know, doing marketing uh, mostly out of just kind of luck of some people asking me for some help around some stuff. And uh, we just started doing a little bit of consulting and then it turned into an agency. So, you know, that that's kind of how it happened. I wish I could say it was heavily premeditated with two years and a 60 page business plan, but you know, it just, uh, we kind of fell into it. So yeah. And the rest is history. <laughs> pretty much. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, you, you already touched on this when you were explaining what you guys do, but, um, one of the main reasons I wanted to invite you on the show and was really excited about this conversation was after I saw you present at our client metadata's demand event, and you talked about, as you mentioned already, repurposing webinars into social media content and then running ads on that social to, yeah. you know, get bigger results and you share really inspiring results. So I wanted to dig into that. And I guess the yeah. first question, just kind of at the very top end of this is before we talk about the repurposing, what are your webinars for, for you guys when you're running webinars? What's the sort of purpose and, and format of the webinars? Why have you found webinars to be a good method for you guys? Uh, I think it's one use case. I mean, I think it's the it's an easy one because I think a lot of SaaS companies are running webinars of some kind on a monthly basis. Yeah. So the webinar is an easy one to go to. And usually there's a lot more assets there. Not as many SaaS companies have a podcast, which would to me be another form of long form content where you could yeah. you know, record it just like we're doing right now. And then obviously repurpose this podcast, which I'm sure you guys do. Um, but yeah, I think the webinar is interesting because there's usually a library of a lot of content already existing on the website. And usually our first go-to is taking a look at that content library. And no matter if it's a year old or three months or six months, a lot of times, a lot of that content's still really relevant. And I think everyone has this mindset and we all do as marketers, we're always chasing the next piece of content. It's like, all right, we did that. And now we need to run over to this other one. And it's not that you never need new content. Again, you can repurpose forever. I think there's clearly new content that needs to be produced, but you can still take, for example, in a webinar, and this is what I talked about in metadata, you could take a webinar that you promoted, say, really well. And I guess to even back up, you know, the typical motion for a lot of SaaS companies just to kind of put some context around it is you start to work on a webinar and you promote it really well on organic, paid, your email list or whatever other channels. You get people to that webinar. And then after the webinar, there's another recording and minimum at least to the people that signed up for the webinar. And then you throw it on your website with a gate usually. And that's it. And then it just kind of dies there in the graveyard and, and people, just, you know, you don't look at it again. And I think, you know, the opportunity I think here is to say, all right, wait a minute, like we can actually take that really great piece of content. They got tons of engagement. There were great questions. There was great AMA at the end of it or whatever it may be. And let's actually just break up a couple core pieces and the highlights of this webinar, use them in paid or organic, either or I'm not totally biased to paid organic, still an extremely valuable channel, especially from personal profiles. 
and then re start repurposing that, you can drastically, I mean, 10x easy, you know, reach in the amount of consumption of that content and directly to your ICP in the world of pay. So I'll stop myself there. But yeah, I mean, I think webinars is a great, uh, easy, easy lift. And it's just not too difficult um, to start breaking up some of these clips quickly. So Yeah. Yeah. So it's is it specifically video clips that you are taking from them for your repurposing then? So 100%. slicing and dicing. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, and I I actually went back and had a quick look at some of the stats that you shared on that. And there was an example where you showed um, a webinar that 33 people watched the webinar, but you, through your process of what you just explained, you got yeah. 11 and a half thousand views after, after the ads, which is really impressive, isn't it? <laughs> it it's not how it works. I mean, and uh, this, is, this is just one example of many, and uh, we've done this across a number of different clients now, and I'm sure you know this across yours as well. I mean, it works. I mean, the math always plays out. The issue is that we're kind of caught up into thinking about you know, needing to spend money to capture a lead in that moment. And then once that event is gone, then no longer, no one wants to spend any more money doing it. But we have to remember that like part of the goal here too, is we did a lot of great work creating the content and creating good stuff. Part of the goal is also getting more people to consume it. So, and not everyone's going to be able to show up at 3 p.m. on a Thursday to go to your webinar. They're just not, you know, people are busy, they're in other meetings or they get called away or whatever. So to not give them the opportunity to consume some of that in smaller form is crazy. The other thing too to think about is that it's also a big ask for people cold that have never heard of your business before or that have never been to your webinar for them to commit to something like a 45 to 60 minute type of interaction, right? I mean, most people are not gonna to take that step unless they are really, really interested in the topic. Maybe there's a great speaker. Those usually are the two biggest pulls to it. So uh, it's a, I think a great way is to say, all right, great. Maybe you're not ready for the 60 minute. Let me just give you, say, the one minute, the two minute clip or whatever. And then if you are interested, whether you consume it in channel or you click on the ad, then they can watch it on demand on your website. So. What, what kind of targeting do you like go for when you're setting up these kinds of ads? Are there specific audiences like retargeting of people who visited the, the webinar, like registrant page, but didn't sign up and things like that do you do you put them back in front of people who even attended to just like keep it front of mind like what 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 do you recommend in that regard yeah so both so retargeting you mentioned it retargeting is yeah. i think the first easy step right because these are people that are already engaged with your brand already engaged with who you are what you do etc so a lot of times what i like to do is you know you can create all sorts of retargeting audiences whether it be like facebook or linkedin or wherever you're you know distributing it so you can create a 30-day layer, a 90-day layer, and a 180-day layer. That means, you know, time from interaction, right? So within the last 30 days, I've interacted with an ad or been to the website. So typically for me, like in the 30-day, it's all about more conversion, offer, social proof, things of that nature. But once someone's three months out, but they've still been relatively, I mean, they've been exposed to your brand, they've had some level of engagement, that's a great place to put like newsletter, like sign up for a newsletter and content like that, or webinar clips and other things there. Because it just brings people back again. And it's kind of, whether it's top of funnel content, dotted line back to your product or whatever, it's a really, really effective in that layer of getting people not only to consume the content in channel, remember too, everyone forgets the, you know, everyone wants the click to landing page conversion, but get the consumption in channel with already engaged people. But then we also do targeting against the, the straight up ICP. So whether it's through target account list, we'll play around with that if the I mean, ideally, all of our clients have some type of targeted catalyst because sales is aligned with a tiered structure of tier one, two, three, et cetera. 
So we usually have a targeted catalyst where we might distribute that out cold to an audience that maybe hasn't heard of the brand or hasn't been exposed to it in a while. And a lot of times we get some great engagement from that. And it brings people down into the funnel into our targeting layer. And then that's when they drop into that 30-day mark where they just were recently on the website. And then we can at least offer up something of, of value of them to, uh, to get them to move forward. So those are kind of the two the two things that um, you know we do uh, between targeting on on webinars. But there's really no right or wrong. I mean, you can play with it. There's a lot of different ways to target. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you want to make sure that's getting in front of the people that fit your ICP. Yeah, yeah. So getting in front of people. So you know, it, it's one thing to get in front, and then the next thing to stand out, which is obviously really important. We see obviously thousands of ads. There's some crazy statistics, isn't there, of how many we get exposed to on a daily basis. What makes good ad creative in your opinion? How do you how do you then stand out amongst the crowd on the on the platforms? Well, I think one big thing, since we're talking about video creatives, and this is just okay. a big pet peeve that just kills me, but um a thing to always watch out for is when people have these long three to four second intros with their logo and music, and then they jump into whatever the content is. And I think people forget that when you're scrolling through your newsfeed, you literally have people for split seconds. And if you're wasting all that time, and you, a lot of times it's the, these two, four second intros, you completely missed out. You have not offered them some type of a hook and there's no person, there's no face. And we're all attracted by people that are faces talking like you and me. So for, for me, like that's a really big thing with talking about video creative that I think is a good starting point is make sure that you have face front and center, right from the beginning, go into whatever the hook is, and then obviously deliver the content. And again, sometimes that means, you know, in these webinar clips we've been talking about, you might need to do a little bit of post-editing to make sure that it's effective as an ad, uh, because sometimes not all webinars can be broken up really well, like I'm talking about. So you kind of have to have the right content. But to me, that's a really big thing when we're talking about video creative. The other one that I see rarely done is, uh, and I've used this example, I think in metadata and even clear a bit too, we talked about this, but a lot of people will promote eBooks and guides and things like that. And what you'll commonly see is just a picture of a book and a headline and a CTA. And like, that's it, right? And maybe that's a really compelling headline. You know, maybe it's like the 10 best things to do to do an ABM playbook, whatever, whatever the, the, the headline is. But you also have a huge opportunity with that creative to actually optimize more for in-channel consumption. And I've said that a couple of times. And like, what does that mean? And all it means is it means, all right, what if we were to open up the book, the ebook, the guide, whatever content we're distributing? What are some of the H1s? What are some of the headlines in that? What are some of the bits of pieces of information that we could extract? An example was um, that I used, uh, I think about that presentation and another is uh, Gong does a lot of uh, proprietary research with their tool. So they've got tons of data that's coming into their tool. They're a call recording software for those that don't know. And with all this data that comes in, they create these really cool blog pieces and guides where they've got these small little graphs that actually give insight. And what they're doing is instead of, just putting a picture of an ebook, they're literally using that graphic in the ad itself, whether it's a carousel, static image ad, whatever, so that you and I, if we're scrolling through the newsfeed, for the 99% of people that are not clicking on your ad, which sounds crazy and, oh my God, why would you spend on paid? The point is, is that you still have a lot of people that are still seeing and hearing your name and whatever the message is and the content. And interestingly, and I'll, I'll stop myself here, but interestingly, many times we actually find that the click-through rate's higher in some cases, after optimizing for channel uh, in-channel content. So those are two big things. I mean, there's a lot uh, that I could go into, but I'll stop myself there. Maybe we can go back and forth on it. 
anything that maybe you see too, but those would be two big things that are huge opportunities to kind of drive not only higher engagement, but also optimizing to the in-channel side of it. Yeah. Yeah. With the um, videos, I know you we talked about videos, kind of sticking with talking about the webinars, but just moving away from repurposing webinars to just like any type of video ad. What do you think in terms of like overly professionally produced video ads versus the more kind of raw behind the scenes, jump on the camera kind of ads? It's a good question. Uh, we've actually tested this multiple times uh, now. I think we've done this now five different times as of the last like quarter or so to try to compare high production video and to take a kind of lower production or more authentically filmed, which I would call this not high production at this yeah. point, right? If we were literally just to take this recording, this wouldn't be high production. There's, there's no intros. There's, there's nothing else going on, right? Um, but not in all cases, in all the five cases, the lower production, more authentic looking uh, video content performed actually better than high production. And, and that, cause the high production content again, always has those intros I'm talking about, you know, it's intros and music, there's all this built up stuff, there's cameras moving everywhere. And you just kind of immediately know when you're a user that it's something that's promoted versus something that's just being shared. And what I'm always trying to look for is how do we make the content look more organic? And when I, when I look a lot, I mean, I post a lot organically on LinkedIn and so I'm always looking like, what, what are the types of video content or even text ads or other things like that that people are doing? Like, what does that content look like that's getting tons of engagement? And like literally with video, an exact example of like how we think about this, and it's just really easy. I honestly think simple is usually the best, the best way to do it. But we just take a clip. Um, we add a headline on it to make sure something powerful that really stands out because that's the first thing that they're going to see. Obviously, it starts with a person's face, no intro, nothing like that. Subtitle it done down the road and ship that off and whether they have their house in the background or a you know banner like idea with my logo on it or something like that whatever's fine but i think that that content at least in the five cases that we've done uh, some tests recently always ends up playing out better so and again i think it's just because it blends in with the feed or blends in in a way that it looks more like something that you'd engage with versus an ad and and that's that's a tough part you know to to kind of achieve that so yeah um, one of the reasons I asked that is because I, you know, quite often see an ad by Metadata we've talked about quite a bit we both yeah. work with, um, and it's their CEO and he's just, you know, kind of talking, talking. Ads, just as if he grabbed his camera yeah. and, you know, did a quick talk to the camera. And it always, yeah. I always, when I see, you know, obviously you can see it's sponsored and I, and it, I remember thinking the first time I saw that, that's so interesting. Obviously, a company like that could have just gone into a studio and had all the lighting and this and that and the other, but instead exactly. he's just jumping on camera. And they are, you know, clearly people know what they're doing, who are doing this and this, obviously, it, it works. <laughs> exactly. And I remember yeah. that video. I mean, I think he yeah. said something about, you know, hey, marketers, you know, hey, that's you probably some of our content, our ads, or blah, 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 whatever. And I think they used in the retargeting layer, if I remember correctly. But but yeah. yeah, 100%. Like, I mean, that's the type of content that's super authentic. It's real. It's, you know, just Jason being a normal person and not, you know, being also too scripted too. So there's even a little, some ums and stuff like that and and not perfectly, you know, delivered language, like that type of thing, I think does really well. Because then you automatically know like, oh, this person's like talking more genuinely. And I think that that type of content always does better. I think the difficulty is that a lot of people are not comfortable doing what Jason's doing. Um, yeah. They don't want to be on camera and uh, they don't feel comfortable doing that type of thing or, yeah. or they feel like, oh, that's too low production. People are going to think I'm unprofessional and I need yeah. to do something. You know, I need to spend 10, 20, whatever amount of thousands of dollars ultimately to 
create something that's really crisp and perfect. And that's what I think stops a lot of people. And it's such a bummer because even with a small team and a small budget, like we all are probably dealing with in 2023, you can still do a lot with some video content, some very easy little scripts. And I'm not saying like read the script, but just some very easy kind of outlines and, yeah. and get it done. So I love that ad. It's a good one. Yeah, it stands out. I agree with you. I have sales calls quite often with people where something that really puts them off is the fact that they don't have a studio at the moment with a production team and, um, you know, all the high value, like high, high, high production value. Um, and just like you said, they're put off by it because they say, well, you know, we, we think we'll go ahead with this, but we're just going to have to wait like six months until we fitted out the studio and hired the videographer and things like that. And and, you know, I, I always try to explain there's a happy medium here, I'm not saying it extremely low production value, but you don't have to do an awful lot to still create, but you don't have to invest right. loads in hire a studio and things like that. There's something in the middle that works well. <laughs> hey, just a little break from this week's episode to let you know about becoming a content 10X insider. If you want more content repurposing tips and advice, then why not join hundreds of business owners, marketers, and content creators who get them delivered straight to their inbox once a week by subscribing to the Content 10X newsletter. As well as tips and advice, you get industry updates, inspiring stories, exclusive content offers, and more. You can subscribe at content10x.com forward slash newsletter, and there's a link in the show notes too. Okay, back to this week's episode. Yeah, and clearly like, yeah, clearly to your point. I mean, like there's got to be a, a level of quality clearly, yeah. right? If you've got a really grainy image or people can't hear you well with your audio. I mean, clearly those things need to be, you know, fixed. But I mean, most computers these days, new ones, I mean, I've got a MacBook Pro with a retina lens on it. I mean, pretty crisp, right? I could get another side camera if I really wanted to that would be even crisper. But I mean, generally speaking, like that, that's going to be sufficient to get you down the road. And then you can always build onto it, right? You can always make it a little bit more um advanced in terms of quality but uh but i think that those are the types of things you shouldn't let slow you down because yeah. you just have to think about you know all of the potential people that you're not reaching today by not doing this and and that's yeah. that's the risk right it's the risk of opportunity of saying okay now i've got a dead webinar on my website or a blog even is a great example you know just blogs that are sitting on my website maybe they're seo uh, they've got a technical SEO agency going through, which is fine and great, and they should do that. But why not also get that content inside the channel directly to the people that you want to reach? And I think that's an interesting thing that we haven't talked about either. But Yeah, well, that that's what I wanted to, something I wanted to go into, which is channel, actually. So the, the platforms that you've got everything these days, LinkedIn, TikTok, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the different platforms. Um, yeah. Do you guys, uh, OmniLab, do you specialize in a particular platform? Uh, I mean, I'd say the two that we do the most in terms of advertising are Google and LinkedIn, uh, oh, the two, okay. two most common. Um, but uh, but we don't specialize in one. We've got clients that are on YouTube and, and others, right? But I think in terms of B2B, like every single one of our clients is on LinkedIn and Google Ads, 100%. So that would be the common thread. Yeah. Um, what's your response to people who complain that LinkedIn ads are too expensive, which often you hear um, is a big objection, isn't it? They're, they're really yeah. expensive. Well, how do you handle that one? <laughs> well, the short story is it's pretty easy uh, because usually people are comparing Facebook to LinkedIn uh, yeah. and CPMs and CPCs are cheaper on Facebook. But what you're not considering is the targeting, 
and the targeting is the biggest thing. And in Facebook world, unless you're using third-party data, which still isn't perfect, like Clearbit metadata, they've got ways to do firmographic-based targeting and upload lists matching personal work emails to improve targeting. But then also remember, you're paying your vendor more money per month to do that. So that's going to up your CPCs and CPMs if you include that cost into that. Uh, but the big thing is you just have to think about it. I mean, LinkedIn literally has probably one of the most up-to-date networks for title-based, where you work, skills you have, all sorts of things. And people are incentivized to keep those up to date because they act as resumes and all sorts of things. Whereas Facebook in the B2B world, I don't think I've updated my, I hope my title's right. I have no clue what it says on there, to be honest. I'm honestly not on Facebook a whole lot anymore. I'm on Instagram though, um, you know, but not as much on Facebook. So, you know, I think that that's the big takeaway for me is you just have to ultimately say, all right, if I'm going to spend some money, do I want to spend some money on a broader audience where maybe 20, 30, 40% of those people are really not the best fit for my brand and pay a lower price? Or do I want to spend a little bit more and have my messaging or content or whatever go directly to the people that are a best fit for my ICP? And I think most people, when you kind of walk them through that, they're like, okay, yeah, I guess it does make sense to, to spend a little bit of money. The other thing I'd say, one last thing on this is that Everyone's always considering the cost of the typical thing that everyone wants in advertising. They're just considering put up the ad, get the click, go to the landing page, convert, right? And I think that as soon as you start weighing in the cost, and I think I did this on um, talking with Creative P, uh, one of the guys out of Romania, and um, we did a webinar together. And basically, we were just running the math on running video view type campaigns and whatnot. And you can start to look at the cost per click. We found that it was like between 15 and $20 or something like that, a click. And this was on LinkedIn. But when you start considering the people that were consuming that video and channel and watching, say, 75% or more, the cost was something like 4 to $5. So you just have to kind of like think about these things a little bit different and frame them up. So that's what I would say to that. But yeah, it is ultimately more expensive, but you're getting in front of the right people. So yeah. Yeah, you get what you pay for. <laughs> you, it's sort yeah, of you do. Quality level. Yeah, you do. Um, it, we've been talking about repurposing webinars and slicing and dicing them down into videos and running social ads. So let's say that you don't have a video, but you're looking at other content and you're thinking, I want to repurpose this into something in a shorter, snackable format, and then I'm going to run some ads on that. And you have a written piece of content. So you've got a cornerstone pillar blog post or a research report white paper something like that and so often when we're working with like written content we'll be turning it into like image slider carousels for linkedin and single images and things like that so yeah. usually going to visual posts really um what do you see working well in in the world of if, you, if you're gonna do that with the primary intention of i'm going to repurpose this into some visual content and then i'm going to put some ad spend on those uh, content pieces on LinkedIn. What do you see working well, like image carousels, particular types of graphics? Is anything standing out? Carousels are interesting. We do a lot of carousels. Um, you know, I think that, I think that the one comes immediately more to mind to me is, and Cognizant is probably a good example of, of someone who I think's done a good job at, now they've got a big marketing team to do all this, but I think they've done a good job at taking a lot of their blog posts and then creating highlight reels and video format. And then those are attached to the blog and they use those uh, in paid ads as well. For example, like they uh, ran something that was a customer case study, they ran in the retargeting layer and they just had one of their marketing 
managers record a quick video that highlighted some of the takeaways from the case study. And so now you've got a piece of content that was previously just sitting on a website in text-based form. And now you've turned that in your, just what you said, into a visual of some kind. In this case, it was a video. The other example is the one I kind of mentioned before that I think is still a good one, but finding statistics or ideally, I mean, hopefully the content's really good, right? You've got some, if you get somewhat unique statistic or interesting finding or experiments you've run, then turning that into um, either a slideshow or a carousel or even just putting the graphic into a single image ad would be perfectly fine too, where they can still get some of the value directly in the ad itself. And then again, you know, you can use that graphic if it wasn't already on your blog or your text-based piece of content, and then use that to make the content a lot richer, right? Instead of just a bunch of words, now you've got very cool visuals along the way. And I think Gong is again, another example of, um, you know, creating some of this different layered content inside a lot of their content. And then of course they just pump and reuse all that in ads. So those are two easy ones. Um, don't see either of them done often at all, though, to be honest. And it's uh, one of those things I think probably comes down to time to a degree. And, you know, most people are just like, I barely have enough time to get out a, a really good piece of content, you know, every once in a while. So to say that I'm now going to create a like two to three minute video on top of that is a lot. But to me, if you know the content, you've read it, and maybe you're the SME and you record it, we're talking, I mean, again, a two to three minute video. I mean, maybe script it out a little bit, but if you kind of know what you're talking about, even being a little authentic and losing your place, you can always do some quick post editing and then you're down the road. Yeah. So those are the two that I'd say they kind of stand out the most in terms of things that we've done with some clients and seen some pretty good results with. Mm, interesting. And something you mentioned earlier was in-channel ads, like optimizing for in-channel engagement as opposed to... Um, always having that CTA to go elsewhere. So in the example of breaking like a blog post down or white paper research down, the natural inclination is to think, well, surely my CTA is going to be to go get this blog post or go, right. here's a link externally. You've said a couple of times about um, in-channel like ads, uh, keeping, I guess, like, like the zero-click ads of keeping people within the platform. Um, exactly. Could you talk a bit about that, like what, what you've seen and, and how important you think that is? I think it's huge. And I think it actually just comes down to one very simple thing. It's just, it, it's more aligning with how people want to consume information over anything else. And I think if you start to think like how you are and how you consume as a buyer, you'll quickly realize that the action that you don't take a lot or as much is immediately click on ad, go hang out on a website and start reading all their blog content. You know, many times what you're doing is you're just kind of scrolling through the feed and you're consuming it right there in channel. And it's a very common thing. I've talked to hundreds of people about this. And like, you know, you just ask them like, what's your behavior? I mean, when you think about content or, or, or engaging material that you're looking at, like, what do you do? Like, what do you, uh, like, walk me through the experience, right? And like, those are the types of things you're saying. So, I mean, yeah, that Creative webinar was exactly about that zero-click ads. And uh, even Amanda from SparkToro has uh, created some content around this. And she, I don't know if she coined it or maybe someone else did, who knows? And it doesn't really matter. But she did a really great blog post on zero-click content and the same general type of idea. And she kind of broke down thinking about the organic side of it, especially, and how a lot of these platforms actually disincentivize putting links inside the posts and things like that on LinkedIn, which is why we always commonly hear, put the link in the comments. I'm not sure quite, I never know how these things are valid. I don't know who validates these things, but, um, but at any rate, you know, I think that the reason for that though, is because 
LinkedIn, Facebook, or any ad channel, they make their money off of ads, predominantly all of them. So why does LinkedIn's got the recruiting aspect? But, um, but the point is, is that the longer they can keep eyeballs on their channel, the more impressions they can deliver, the more clicks that they can get. And ultimately that's what advertisers want. So what you're, what you're doing is LinkedIn's incentivizing this and, and even they launched a new ad format called document ads. And so now on the zero click movement, you can, uh, now upload your guide or your PDF that you typically would just create like a single image ad or a carousel or whatever format you want to create it in. You know, whether it's gated or ungated, blah, 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 you can figure that out. But now you can actually just load up the actual piece of content and have them kind of swipe through just like a carousel, but instead it's the actual document itself. And you got to be a little careful with, mo you know, mobile optimization, stuff like that on those. But, but anyway, to me, like, this is one of the biggest things. I think it's going to continue to uh, continue to get bigger and bigger. I don't think all brands will immediately jump on it because most are stuck on kind of the attribution uh, problem, which is making sure they get click-based attribution to understand the results that they're getting. But I think those that can let go of the reins a little bit will have a lot more freedom to think about how they create more content for how buyers actually want to consume. And that's the that's the big point for me. It's funny, I had Amanda Natividad on the podcast a little bit ago and we did a oh, cool. half hour discussion also about zero click content. And I'm just that's thinking great. that we yeah, we didn't really delve into the world of sort of paid we talked mainly about organic when we were talking about it i was wondering if you are running some paid campaigns with the zero click ads um and you're if you're pleasing the the platforms as you said you'll be pleasing them by by not having those external clicks do you think that would give you more favor on that platform that when you then run some organic content and perhaps that does have some clicks but just generally your organic content if your ads are going really well and you're not sending people away and it's zero click is it going to boost your your page overall from i don't have data to say that there's an exact correlation in the way that you just said it right there but i would say that those that have a really strong organic presence ideally from their personal profiles not just the company page and posting on that, that, um, and again, I think it's more correlation and looking at trends than like hard black and white facts that we've looked at through some of our clients. But I can tell you that a lot of the clients that are very active organically on channels that we're actually, you know, doing paid ads on, a lot of times they'll perform a lot better because there's already a familiarity with who's the face behind this company. Yeah. And I think that's where it's so important. And and this is why you get all these people talking about personal branding all day long and whatnot. And, you know, whether it's personal branding or just having your face out there talking about the typical category that you guys operate in and trying to deliver value, that type of stuff, it makes a huge impact. Um, again, black and white correlation couldn't tell you, you know, but I think we definitely tend to see higher engagement rates. And those, and we're trying to get more of our clients to invest more in having an organic strategy because the other thing you could do too, which is kind of interesting, and this is more of a tactical hack, if you will, um, but you can take a, say, an organic post that uh, got, say, a lot of engagement, you know, maybe got 20, 50, 100 likes, whatever a lot of engagement is for you. And um, then you can take a snapshot of that and then use that actual uh, image, the text that you wrote in the post as the actual ad itself. And then what it does is it, it kind of, it's a little tricky, right? In a way, because number one, it looks like it's just a regular organic post. So it kind of blends in with the typical thing you're used to reading. But the amazing thing about it is that it's also, again, like I've been saying a couple of times is that 
in organic, you have the issue of a lot of people that are engaging with your posts might not be the best fit. There might be yeah. some, but there's always going to be people that are not really your, your true ICP. Paid guarantees to a degree for those that at least are active on the channel that those right people in your ICP are going to see the message. So you could actually take a really cool, organic, engaging post and then be like, cool, a lot of people saw this. That's awesome. And then use the social proof inside your ad and instead of like waiting for social proof to build up on the ad itself. So anyway, that's a little idea that we've been doing with some clients and it actually works quite well, uh, honestly. So that's an amazing tip. I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah, try it out. I mean, not a marketing strategy by any stretch, but it's a little, a little tactic. So. Yeah, a little tactic. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, final question for you, Jonathan. Um, so someone's been listening to this and they're just like hugely inspired to, to start creating content in the way we've been explaining, maybe repurposing down some of their content for social ads. What is the like biggest or a, a main mistake that a lot of people make um, that they sh should try and avoid? Mistake with repurposing content. With the ad side of it, we've run in the ads from the repurposed content. I'd say the biggest one is you have to change your mindset on attribution because okay. because as soon as you start, especially as we were talking about before, as soon as you start, especially, this kind of relates a little bit to end channels, maybe not answering your question as directly as you want, but this kind of relates back to if you're going to start doing taking content and then putting it in a format that can be consumed more in channel, you have to let go of the reins of your strict rules on attribution because you're just not going to get it. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to, not going to happen. And you're going to have to just be comfortable with the idea of looking at leading indicators, which lots of people call those vanity metrics, but in the world of demand gen, they're still very, very important. And you still need those to get the pipeline and revenue. So clearly like if you're just optimizing for vanity and leading, and you're not getting the lagging come together, clearly there's an issue there, but they're still very important. So I think the biggest thing to me is, is just making sure that you're measuring the success of each of those campaigns the right way and, and realizing that like not every campaign should be measured the same way. I mean, most B2B SaaS companies have a primary goal of getting more inbound demo requests or more trials and then ultimately those to pipeline. Like those are the goals, right? But not every campaign should be gold and scored on just that one thing. I mean, I'll give one last example and then we can jump off, but you know, in a cold campaign on LinkedIn or Facebook or something like that, when I'm targeting someone that's never heard of my company before, I can't goal that campaign off of request to demo or something like that. Like they're not, the conversion rate is going to be so low and you're going to completely walk away from LinkedIn. And that cold layer, it's all about building some initial awareness, getting some content in front of that person. And making sure that you're even a known entity. And then once you're known, then you can move them down into other layers and, you know, see if they're ready to take that next, um, next step with you. But I'm not a big believer in this whole kind of like moving people through funnels. So I guess that's the wrap for me is, yeah. uh, you know, the, the summary of what I just said is make sure that you're sending the right types of KPIs and measuring success on some of these campaigns and not just using one metric across all. Mm, yeah. Brilliant tip. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Now that it's been such a great conversation, I'm sure that everyone's going to have taken so much away from it. Um, where would you like people to go to um, to connect with you and find out more? Easiest way is uh, find me on LinkedIn. So Jonathan yep. Bland, my full name. Uh, we can look for OmniLab in case there's another. I don't think there is, but there probably is somewhere. Uh, or you can go to OmniLabConsulting.com if you are interested at all in us doing paid ads for your company. We generally work with C to Series C companies. So if you're in that range and you've got some good traction closer to product market fit, 
maybe paid ads is a good time for you to kind of jump in and, and scale up. So, yeah, 100%. I will put the uh, links to everything. So it's super easy to get hold of in the uh, show yeah. notes. Um, right. Well, thank you so much. Been an awesome conversation. So thanks for coming on the Content 10X podcast. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's great. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that discussion and thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the Content 10X podcast, then why not hit that subscribe button on your podcast listening app of choice so that you can get updated when new episodes are released. And I'd really, really appreciate it if you could leave a review as well. That really makes a difference for the podcast. Also, please do get a copy of my book, Content 10X, More Content, Less Time, Maximum Results. It is the ultimate guide to repurposing every type of content and it's available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback and also in audiobook as well and you can head to content10x.com forward slash book to find all the other places that you can get a copy of my book and if you would like us to do your content repurposing for you then we offer a fully end-to-end done-for-you content repurposing service this is for podcasters and video content creators we have our podcast 10x video 10x and also our specific LinkedIn 10x service helping you to become the leading authority in your industry on LinkedIn. You can find out so much more about our services on our website and also please do give me a follow on the social media platforms. I share lots and lots of tips and advice on social media about content repurposing. I'm at content 10x on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you try content10x.com forward slash LinkedIn, you'll find my LinkedIn profile over there as well. All that's left to say is thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and I'll catch you in the next one.